When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. It's Stangy Law Firm. We represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri. From Providence, Rhode Island, welcome to Outlander Cast. It's a podcast dedicated to the show Outlander on Stars. everybody and welcome back my name is mary larson my name is blake and i have been looking forward to this chapter this is one of the chapters that when we got this book you know i was thumbing through it initially and i saw the 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 title and i said yep i'm i'm ready i'm Mm -hmm. ready for this one and i yeah i think it, it comes at a at a right proper time if you will a right proper time a right i've been watching too much harry potter that's the thing Hey, welcome, welcome to life, man. <laughs> Way too much Harry Potter lately. <laughs> it's I'm starting okay. to adopt all the vernacular. Why is it a right proper time for us to be coming to Culloden? Oh uh, well, I mean, we're getting towards the end of the book, okay. and we got a lot going on. I think as a company mm-hmm. here, and you know, between Men and Kilts and, um, and and Clan Lands, and This Is Us, and all the other shows and everything that we're doing, it's kind of like Clan Lands. Uh, while I love it, it, it and it, it's been a, a really fun deep dive, it's we we just haven't had as much time as of late that as we've wanted to because we've been so focused on men in kilts and getting mm-hmm. everything ready because you know it's so time appropriate uh, that we do those things at that given time. Yep. So when you get back to it and you start reading the chapter again, and you see that it's Claude, and you said, "Okay, yeah, I, I, I get it now. I, I can do I, it. This is this is what we're doing here." And, and I think I mean, it's we a could chapter. do it anyway. We love it anyway. But yeah, right, right. But the fact of the matter is, is like you know, it's it's been maybe a few weeks since we did the last chapter, and it's just a, a breath of fresh air to get back in there and see the yeah. kind of chapter that, that that this is, and and knowing the history of it, and mm-hmm. having such a personal connection to it, obviously because of Outlander. You get motivated to read it, and this is a chapter I think that does not disappoint, Mm -hmm. at least in my estimation, or at least from my perspective, it doesn't disappoint. But that's because I'm a history dork. (laughs) Yes, you are. And I cannot wait to get your thoughts on this chapter, because this was pretty history heavy. And, you know, I, I could see how someone you know, may get a popsicle headache reading this stuff. Okay, so before we get into this, before we get all into this chapter, we do want to remind you that 
everything you hear is thanks to our friends at jointhenerdclan.com. Jointhenerdclan.com is our Patreon place. It's where people who give from the goodness of the bottom of their hearts as little as $2 a month to keep podcasts like this going. Independently produced podcasts by Blake and myself. We've got a slew of other podcasts that you can find at maryandblake.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. You know, just say a little hello to us. If you're on any of those platforms, say a little. (laughs) If you like to buy your coffee from an independent coffee shop or if you like to buy... I don't know, your food at like a non A local chain. deli. Yeah. I got you. Know that this is what it's like. We're your local deli. We are your local deli, I got some bologna for you. <laughs> you want some pastrami? Yeah. I, got, I got it for you. You don't go to Subway. You go to your local deli of if course. you can. Know that that's what it's like here. So if you would like to join, you can at jointhenerdclan.com. You got some fun perks there. All right. Now let's get into the show and let's chat about this chapter. All right, Blake, let's do it. Chapter 13, Culloden. This is the big one, ladies and gents. I'm actually surprised that this is not the last chapter, Hmm. uh, without obviously having read the next few chapters. It feels like, to me, that this would be one of those chapters that would be a natural fit yeah. uh, for the end, uh, just given the weight of the chapter, given the significance of the chapter. But hey, you know what? I'm I'm not writing the book there, kiddo. I'm, I'm not that smart. So apparently these guys are. You are quite smart, Blake. You <laughs> are. And you know what? It's still towards the end, and I'm, I'm still here for it. I'm sure. still here for it. Sure. So my quote is going to actually be the lyrics that begin this chapter, Skyboat. Okay. Speed, bonny boat, like a bird on the wing. Onward the sailors cry. Carry the lad that's born to be king. Over the sea to sky. Oh. Did anyone else sing it in their head? Of course you I nerds did. did. Loud, <laughs> loud the wind howls. Loud the waves roar. Thunder claps rend the air. <laughs> like everyone had to have sung this in their head. Of course they did. Baffled our foes. Stand by the shore. Follow they will not dare. Many the lads fought on that day, while the claymore did wield. When the night came, silently lain, dead on Culloden Field. Then you do. Yeah, 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 sure. Though the waves heave, soft will you ye sleep. Ocean's a royal bed, rocked in the deep. Flora will keep watch by your weary, watched by your weary head. Man, I can't read today. Sorry. <laughs> yep, but here we are. The day has finally dawned and we are traveling to Dramosi Moor, site of the Battle of Culloden. 18th of April, 1746. Yeah, big deal. Big deal, man. Big deal, big deal. And uh, I I feel like they, both Sam and Graham, handled this chapter relatively properly um, with how they approached the material Mm. because i mean again as we've discussed we all know that they know who their audience is and these are all outland nerds who look at culloden as a really big deal yeah and you got to get it right and it's not to say that it's not a big deal but you know i mean this isn't the battle of the psalm either you know like (laughs) this isn't uh you know this isn't the uh the the blitz you know on on london you know this this is 
It's a well to big... some to some it may be yes but yeah. so AI I'm, would give I'm it say, that I meant, I meant like the on a worldwide world, world yes. history on you know this isn't the Battle of Galgamela you know like this is this is a very big deal but on the worldwide scope it's yes. not necessarily but when you come to the realization of what this meant for Scotland and for the Highland culture um, it means a lot and you know being Outlander fans this is what we hear this is what's drilled into us Culloden Culloden Culloden's right, coming Culloden's right. coming you know it's right. like oh my god okay <laughs> it's a big deal we know and so here we get to delve into the history a bit more which I feel like many Outlander fans would have done anyway Absolutely. a little bit on their own through just internet research or being involved in Outlander fan groups, you know, mm-hmm. in April around the 16th, you'd probably be getting a lot of, a lot of, you know, posts and facts and things like We're that. We're going to get all the posts. Yes. So Blake, um, GBGs, our goods, our bads and our greats for this chapter. Yes. My good is just the fact that we're here. We're here at Culloden. Um, I loved being able not only to learn a bit more about the events, but to be able to have the tie-ins with Outlander to remind us about the different things that the Outlander characters did in the fictional show yep. and how it then related to the real life events and even of course you know bringing in Preston Pans obviously yeah. Graham McTavish wasn't involved as Dougal McKenzie in Culloden uh, because it got killed um, <laughs> <laughs> hashtag spoilers yes but you know to be able to talk about just the different ways that these battles took place and what it was really like as we've been able to spend time getting to know Scotland getting to know the different clans and seeing how the clans interacted how they may have even joined different sides and for what reasoning um, that's just my good the fact that we're here we're here at Culloden sure my bad <sighs> it was a long <laughs> historical chapter and I just got a wee bit bored and only yeah. a wee bit. What, Blake? I thought you were going to play a sound. Oh, no, like, no. I'm, I'm not, I was just fixing it. Oh, okay. I, I was just yeah. I, you know, as I, as I opened it and I was like, all right, Culloden, nice. And then I saw how long the chapter was and I went, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. Because... I don't do well with facts you don't and history names. Well. I don't. I don't. If it's, you know what I like? I like learning about the mud. I like learning about the different ways that they had to line up and how, in my mind, I'm thinking, why wouldn't you just shoot at their feet? Like, if you know they're all just coming at you, <laughs> you know, I like that kind of stuff, but I can't tell you which, I still can't tell you. I've listened to it. I've read it. I still can't tell you which claim was on the right. Yeah, but that also, I, I think, falls into a little bit of Stats of a Nerds category. But that's what I felt like this chapter and most historical things. So mind you, if you loved this chapter, it is nothing against you. It yeah. is me. History doesn't jive with my brain. So those things don't stick. And there was a lot of that stuff in here. So, sure. so I'm reading it going, I'm not going to remember this. I'm not going to remember that. <laughs> I'm not going to remember his name. I'm not going to remember that. So I was, that's my bad, but it's it's my personal issue. Yep. My great was the lyrics at the beginning of this because I did. I read it singing in my head. We've all heard the Skyboat song in different variations over mm-hmm. time, but just to see the different lyrics and then to sing it in their head and to know the significance of it once again, it's just a, it's just a treat. It's a treat for Outlander fans on so many levels. And one of my favorite memories ever. One of my favorite me- memories ever, and this is this is of big, all time of, of life, all time is from our. Season four finale party. Mm-hmm. We're all in Newport. All of us nerds are all together, 150 some odd people. And we're all watching the finale together. And we, we premiered it and it was, it was awesome, right? We start the episode and all the nerds start singing the Skyboat song all together, unprovoked, unprompted. They just started singing it. And what a beautiful memory. Mm-hmm. I just, I, 
I'll never forget that. It just, it just, it was one of those organic things that happen and it kind of reminds, it actually kind of reminds me of after, uh, after the Boston bombings for the marathon, the first like big event that happened after the, after the bombings was a, a Bruins game at the garden. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Renee Rancourt used to, he used to sing the, the national anthem every, every single Bruins game. Okay. And he's a, in Boston. He's a big deal, by the way. Your cousin from Boston. <laughs> so, uh, for all you Boston nerds, you know who it is. And he, he started singing and all of a sudden the entire crowd, took over and he stopped singing and he just conducted the crowd and mm-hmm. it was one of those magical moments and that reminds me uh, of uh, the magical moment for all of us nerds singing yeah. the Skyboat song at this premiere so when I, whenever I think about the Skyboat song and I think about you know especially how it applies to this chapter mm-hmm. it brings me back to these warm fuzzy memories that I have and how Agreed. I cannot wait for the world to come back to normal and we can do another finale party or a premiere party, whatever mm-hmm. whatever suits our fancy, and get back together again and, and have a good time. So that's what that reminds me I'm of. I'm down, man. My good is actually a tie for this chapter. Uh, the first is uh, the genuine appreciation that Graham has for Sam mm-hmm. at the end of the chapter. He's just like, thank you. Thank you for um, taking me here and... Just in like, as we all know, Graham is my hashtag, you know, uh, spirit animal. And I can appreciate that moment where Graham just sits back and says, thank you, Sam, for putting this all together as a history nerd and as somebody who really appreciates this kind of Mm -hmm. this kind of stuff and getting me back into the experience. Yeah, this is a big deal. And just and I'm glad I get a chance to share this with you. Like, agreed. I I, I know when I, when I heard that at the end of the chapter, it it rang true to me. Well, especially because now we've been watching the show and we get to see him frequently thank Sam. Yeah, you know, because obviously Sam like made this into a bigger adventure yeah, than absolutely. what they were thinking about. But also, um, Graham really likes to thank you know for sharing these experiences together, sure. which I think is a sweet thing. And the other part of the good for me too here is uh, the. The recognition of both sides for Culloden and how there were Scots on the on the British side fighting mm-hmm. uh, against other Scots, and how you know there aren't not everything is black and white, yes. right? Uh, and and e- even if let's say the Bonnie Prince did win, you know what's going to happen? Do the clearances still happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, there's a chance. Yeah, like, and not everything looks good. Is is it a fair assumption that if the Bonnie Prince wins, now he's kind of somewhat under the control of the Pope? Yeah, yeah. He's he his family is indebted to the Pope for bankrolling them for for years. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like there's some concern there. I'm not saying that he's right. Like I'm not saying that Graham is right or wrong. I'm saying. It's good to recognize both sides and to also understand that a book like Outlander uh, or this fictionalized version of Culloden that we've kind of gravitated towards because of Outlander 
it has a need for heroes and villains. Mm-hmm. Graham says that right in, right in this book right here. Yeah, it's great to think like yeah, heroes and villains. And, and, yeah, but and you know everyone every good story needs a good protagonist, and every good story needs a good pro, uh, antagonist. Mm-hmm. And it just so happens that in our case, our protagonist yeah. is Jamie, and our and our antagonist is Black Jack, Black Randall. Jack Randall. And it's it's he per, embodies the the British army and the British rule over over Scotland, right? Yep. Or the English rule rather. So like I, I just like that there's somewhat somewhat of an objective mm-hmm. yes. analysis yes. of the battle here. Yes. Agreed. So uh my bad for me is that with as much care as they took in this chapter for the history and recognizing both sides and talking about some of the outcomes of the sh- filming and everything, it's still a little jokey. Okay, like when? Uh, when they were talking about, uh, you know, some guy, uh, one of the Scottish soldiers and how he was uh, – like relating to, or he he was like running into the lines or something. It, it, it was, they started joking about some stuff. And I was like, this is not the, this is not the place. Mm-hmm. You know, this is not the chapter, I think for that. Mm-hmm. Again, because, because you know your audience and because you know that uh, Outlander nerds look at this event in time with such reverence and such uh, respect that, you know, read the room a little bit. You know, read what you're doing here. Yeah. Uh, because I'm not sure if this is the, the time for jokiness. Like, it's okay to joke about the things that nobody really knows about because whatever. Nobody really has a, a real connection to it. Um, but it's something in this case, yeah, I would say that it's probably not the right time for it. Okay. But, my, but my great, and Mary, you kind of alluded to this. And Ooh. I want to, I, I think that was really astute on your part is... You know, like, okay, I don't know who, what clan is on the right-hand side mm-hmm. and who has the the honor of being on the right and, you know, who this is and who that is. And I think a lot of history books, they fall into that trap of trying to be too macro. Okay. And in this particular case, the way that I looked at it was Sam and Graham did a smart thing. They made it more micro. And they chose to tell the story of the battle through a particular soldier's eyes. Mm-hmm. And this guy is charging through the lines and he's cutting up people. And, uh, yep. you know, and uh, there are the stories that, is, that are being told through him so that someone like you, Mary, who just doesn't care like about the big stuff, doesn't care about the dates, doesn't care about the names, doesn't care about who, who, you know, made a, a, a left wheel turn to, mm-hmm. to make the battle, you know, like, no, <laughs> yes. don't nobody care about that. Yes. But what somebody wants to hear is a personal story. What somebody wants to hear is to be able to connect, mm-hmm. uh, at least on a more uh, broad level mm-hmm. uh, for people who are just here because it's Sam and Graham and they just want to hear them talk. Uh, having that personal story of this particular soldier that brings the 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 story to life of Culloden, uh the, the story of Culloden to life rather. Uh, yeah, that's the right choice. That's the right choice. Uh, what else stands out to you, Marvin? Uh, what what in this chapter do you think works for you? And uh, I know you said that you're not a big huge fan of of the the major history things, and I get it. But what what else works for you? 
as I said, just getting into understanding um, kind of how how all the fighting physically happens. Yep. You know, we got to see it, of course, in the show. And then, as I said, being an Outlander fan, you do your own little research or you see things now and then. But just to be able to read it, I think having all this context of everything else that we've been having in this book, yep. you know, too, I sure. think that, that does make it very special. And, and it's okay for me. Honestly, I don't care that it's not the last chapter. I do like that it's towards the end portion of this book because yeah. you... Obviously, we're reading it. We're Outlander fans, meaning we're Scotland fans. Right, right. But this book and the show and everything, they just continue to give you more appreciation of Scotland. So as you're learning about um, their own personal trips to Culloden for the first time, particularly for those of us who haven't been able to go yet, yeah. I thought that that was really neat to understand their experiences and what it was like, um, you know, once again, you know, Sam talks about, oh, I was in theater and all these different things were happening. Um, One thing but- that jumps out to me, mm-hmm. Mary, is how they talked about filming the uh, final battle sequence for Culloden between Jamie and Blackjack Randall. Mm-hmm. And there was in the dreamscape and there was this beautiful moment. And it is. It's still probably in my top three favorite moments, maybe top two favorite moments of the entire series. Yeah. It's just such a memorable, well shot, well thought out moment between these two characters. That's like, that's inspired television, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, re- it really is. You may not agree with me. That's fine. I mean, you can, you know, go pound sand, but it is inspired television. And the choice that Ron Moore wanted to make about having Blackjack open his eyes and take a deep breath in would make me want to (laughs) puke. It would make me want to puke. Well, he made that choice and then he probably said, you know, I've had some time to sit on it. Yeah, no, I I get it. I get that. Like they wanted options in order to bring back Blackjack. Can we just take a brief moment, by the way? Have you heard about Ron Moore's new show? Uh, Yes. A Court of Thorns and Roses? I don't know anything about it other than the fact that he's going to be producing it yeah um it's a best-selling fantasy novel series um and i'm pretty pumped i haven't read it but one of our does it say on what it's going to be hulu it's on hulu okay he's he's just dabbling everywhere he's like i'll do a little bit on stars i'll do a little bit on apple tv i'll go on that's hulu. true that's true he's well just... i mean he just signed a huge deal with disney so that's the reason why he's doing it on hulu now why what does hulu have to do with disney because disney owns hulu did not know that. Yeah, Stop it. Yeah, they do. Then why? Why do I have to pay for Disney and Hulu? I should get free Hulu if I'm paying for Disney. Well, you kind of do because if they, they have that deal, that what that twelve ninety nine a month deal where you get Disney Plus, ESPN, and Hulu at the same time. Stop it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't really know. It's just because I'm getting it for free right now because <laughs> of <true>. Verizon. <laughs> but oh man, oh man. Okay, cool. All right, so we'll get back. But um, I'm actually going to be interested in checking out this series because does it Trust say that he's going to be show running directly or is he just executive producing? Uh, I'll get back to you. Okay, because I'll be interested. To he's see- writing the pilot. Okay, that makes sense. Yep. Um, Ron Moore and I will co-adapt this show. I mean, I feel like that means showrunner. I don't know. 
Really? If he's writing it and if he's co-adapting the show, you don't think he'd be showrunner? Well, no. I mean, he could write it. I mean, sure. He. I mean, it, it doesn't matter. Like, he wrote The Battle Joint, right? But by season three of Outlander, he had pretty much given over the reins to Matt Robertson yeah. and Tony Graffia. So he might still be just... I'm just saying. Uh, well, I, yeah, what I'm saying is he's an executive producer no matter what, obviously. Mm-hmm. And whether or not he's showrunning, I think, is a different story. Okay. And the fact of the matter is, too, like he's, he show ran the first season of For All Mankind on Apple TV, yeah. right? But then he gave the show over the second season. So, and this is actually, I'm going to take, I'm going to take a victory lap on this one. Because this is what I, this is what <laughs> I predicted. We're talking about clan lands, but we just had to give a moment. This for is Ron. what I predicted about Ron in all the way back in season three that he was going to start doing all these different shows, like like Carlton Cuse from Lost. Yep, he's going to start doing all these different shows. He'll dabble in one, do another, do another. Like the guys adapting um, the Swiss Family Robinson for Disney Plus too, which I'm so down for. I know, I'm right? So down for. Okay. <laughs> no! So uh, you know, it is what it is. But any, I know we're talking clan lance right now anyway you were talking about how ron made that choice he made that choice and i get that he wanted options mary what would your thoughts have been if they stuck with that adaptive choice because you're the book reader you know you're invested into the books and you and i get it um what do you think if they kept blackjack randall like let's say the whole episode happens and at the end of the episode, you see Black Jack Randall and he opens his eyes and no. takes a big deep breath in. No, I would not have been okay. Yeah, I would not have been okay with that either. That whole sequence would have been invalidated. It, it just would have been totally undermined if they kept him alive at the end of the season, which I'm glad. You can't crucify for someone, you can't crucify someone for something they didn't do, right? You need to see people die. You, 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 got, you got to have finality. And I'm so glad. You got to see Bonnet die. You got to see yeah. Blackjack die. Because they deserve it. Yes. Right? They deserve it. And, and if they kept the guy alive, you know what that reeks of? No. Network TV. Oh, what a swear. That's what that reeks of. What a swear. So Please. it sh- goes to show you, ladies and gents, how lucky you are and how lucky we are as as Outlander nerds that they that they didn't yeah. <laughs> keep this going. And they when you have smart people in charge of something that that you can tell a legitimate story. Not saying that Ron Moore isn't smart, saying that he was smart and yeah, then yeah. he did sit down and say, you know, we all try things. We all try things and then we yeah. like, eh, that, maybe that's not going to sure, work. Sure. You know, really spending this time with Graham uh, and Sam, but talking about how they're standing on this field. I, I am interested to see how this turns out with the pipe band behind them. Yeah. I'm afraid that that's going to turn out to be super duper cheesy on TV when it is supposed to be the somber, important moment. So I'm really hoping that it's not like the initial pipe band experience that we had on the show Men and Kilts. Yeah, and that's kind of what I was getting at with my bad here a little bit. Like, is it going to be played off like the way that it was? Or are they going to treat this this event with the kind of, again, reverence that it deserves yeah because they've got this pipe band they're screaming and stuff and so they're trying to give the feeling of what it would be like to be fighting at Culloden right but we'll just see we'll see how it turns out but then we get Graham's perspective and he says standing on the bleak moor in the cold and the rain with Sam I conjure the brooding atmosphere that hangs over this national monument I've stood on many historic battlefields but none has affected me so deeply to look out where the British lines would have stood today marking with marked by fluttering flags two kilometers across is to truly understand the scale of what the Jacobites faced that day. Right. And I feel like Graham 
just shifts the energy, not the energy, but the focus and the feel a bit, you know, from being like, okay, it's this momentous, like rah, rah kind of thing to let's take a deep breath and really appreciate what this all means and what this looked like for them. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And another thing too, is like, he starts describing how, um, it would have looked Mm -hmm. right. Uh, cannon fire and grape shot and people like one minute some guy's head's there and then the next (gasps) second it's a red mist right uh so gross people getting cut in half and 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 charging through lines and the um what it would be like to see all these guys start running at you Mm -hmm. the way that they did and all and the the fierce precision of the english lines the way that they employed the three, the three rifles, you know, the first line would yes. come up, shoot, kneel, second line, come up, shoot, kneel, third line, come up, shoot, kneel, bayonets behind that, like the whole thing. And then they'd switch places and go back and forth. It, 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 and I want to say mind blowing, but you just talked about how the guy's head true. was just blown off. <laughs> oh so yeah, Mary. I won't go there. Won't go there. Um, and the other thing too here is also how disorganized the Scots were. Mm-hmm. Like you, you would think that they would have a little bit more precision in how they handled things and better communication, but they didn't, and that's one of the primary reasons why they didn't win the battle because they just couldn't get themselves together. Yeah, and, and they couldn't like it's their land, and they couldn't read the bog. Like they couldn't read, they couldn't read. Uh, where to stand because some guys refuse to move and all it's like it, it, it's not this highly highly romanticized version of what Culloden was no. it, it's a it's a it's a legitimate um it's a legitimate look mm-hmm. at the way that the lines were created and not only that but it's also a look through artifacts and how some of the bullets were clean and just somewhat nicked, like because if that happens, that means the bullets just went straight through somebody. <sighs> so gross. As opposed to if they hit the bone, then they would be smashed. Or if they hit a sword, they would look like a clamshell. Isn't that so gross? It's it's pretty remarkable when you start looking at it in those terms and how some guys would use their kilts to protect themselves. Mm-hmm. Like, could you imagine start running out of line and thinking, yeah, yeah, my kilt, yeah, it's yeah, wool. I got this. Wool's gonna take care of me. And you got bullets ripping through that, like no problem, like hot knife through butter. It's just, it, we live in, of course, such a different time. And neither Blake nor myself have served in the military. Um, I do come from a military family. My mom was in the military and for all of her adult life until she retired. So I appreciate the military. But personally speaking, I've never had like a desire to go and physically fight Uh and potentially risk my life. And you think about all of these people who either out of the desire of their own or because they were coerced, right? Like Uh we learned about so many people who was like, you can either do this or you're going to have to have your home burned down. I mean, you can come and join us or we're going to ruin your life. So (laughs) you don't really get that choice. But, you know... I got to say, like, as brave as a Gryffindor as I think I am sometimes, I think I would have been a coward if all I had to really rely upon is my wool kilt and right. think, like, maybe this will protect me as and, I run into this army. And, like, you see these guys with these rifles, a professional 
British army, mm-hmm. red coats galore, and you're just running, and you got mud and blood and guts all over you, and you you got the guts, you got you got the balls to go, yeah, I'm I'm running after these guns, <laughs> and no way, guy, no. No. no way am I doing that. Nope, no. I'll figure out. I'll figure out. I'm such a Slytherin. I will figure out another way. <laughs> like, just sneak me out of here. But then again. It's a cause for the ones who are passionate and not coerced. Like it's a cause that they are passionate about. I mean, think sure. about it. if our lands were invaded, if our way of living, if we had to worry about the livelihood for our upcoming generations, it would be worth it. But I'm just saying that it's such a different perspective because we don't live in a in an age or in a place. I mean, we are very blessed yeah. to live in the age and the place that we do currently live. Blake and I currently live in right now that we don't have to worry about our lands being invaded, that we don't have to worry about warring clans. I mean, there's places obviously in our world nowadays in 2021 where bad things like this are happening on mm-hmm. a nonstop basis where people do feel like they have to be fleeing from their homes and yep. everything that they have known and loved to have a safer, healthier choice where they will say, yes, my life is worth risking. For the good of my people. Sure. Uh, another thing that to build on the, of that, Mary, is, you know, the, again, the romanticized version of what we've been talking about for Culloden. Mm-hmm. And I think Graham does a great job when he says, much has been made about the behavior of the British troops after the battle. It was undoubtedly a vengeful, gruesome affair. However, those British troops had learned lessons the hard way when it came to facing these particular men in kilts. From their experience at the Battle of Falkirk, they knew that they were in a brutal stand-up fight against a ruthless enemy that was guilty of murdering men in cold blood. They had seen their own Colonel Monroe wounded and finished off as his brother was bandaging him. His brother was also killed on the spot. This and the butchery at Preston Pans all contributed to the belief that they were not fighting chivalrous-minded professionals, but murderous thugs, and should respond accordingly. Dougal Mackenzie's actions at the end of Preston Pans, deliberately murdering the wounded, appalled at the good treatment of British prisoners, speak of this brutality. However, in spite of the slaughter and the men shot for cowardice, it is the bravery and the courage I want to think about most deeply as I stand on the battlefield side by side with Sam mm-hmm. and about my own ancestors, 14 of whom are listed in the muster rolls. Right. So there's this there's a, a great tension yes. here. Um, one where you I think as a historian, you have to emphasize the truth of it. Mm-hmm. And the other part, as a person who is just a person, you want to romanticize it, uh, and you want to think about the the the, the breadth of uh, honor and the breadth of courage you need to engage in a battle this way, especially when your commanders mm-hmm. are. 24, 25, 26 years old. That is not something I had no, known. No, right? You know, uh, Bonnie Prince is 25 years old. Mm-hmm. 25. What were you doing when you were 25? Um, let me think. Had we met? We had met. I was 25 we when just we met. met. We just met. Oh my gosh, yeah, I had a birthday. That's right. I had a beautiful birthday party. You and your three other party. boyfriends at yep. the same place. <laughs> and here I am thinking that I'm the actual boyfriend. <laughs> She's got three ah, boyfriends. They weren't technically boyfriends. Mm. They were people I was dating. Unbelievable. It's Mary hedging a bets. 
Yeah, it was my because I didn't get to celebrate my golden birthday. You know, when your birthday is yeah. like no the wonder why of you wanted month. to switch partners dancing. Swing dancing is about switching partners. Ugh. It's the worst. So I celebrated my 25th birthday and I had a huge party and I had forgotten I had invited previous fellas who I had hung out with before I met Blake and I had met Blake two weeks before. A couple of weeks, yeah. And I was just like, oh, you should come to my party. Forgot I invited these other guys from like seasons ago and then they showed up and I was like, oh, this is awkward. There I am thinking that I'm the guy. You were the, the guy. guy. You were the guy. <laughs> you were. It's just some other guys from the past showed up. Oh. One guy wasn't invited. One guy I had invited, like, in November. Bye bye, purchase in May. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Sorry, so, buddy. Yeah, this guy's 25, and you're in- inviting multiple boyfriends to one to, to one birthday party. I was, I don't know, I was baking donuts, mm-hmm. you know, at the donut shop at three in the morning. And here he is leading a rebellion against the, the British Empire. Yeah. Like, it's unbelievable. And the, and, and the Duke of Cumberland, Duke of Cumberland, 25 years old too, 26, whatever he was, stats for nerds. He was that old. Like you, When you think of a guy like that, you think of a guy that's in his maybe mid-40s, maybe mm-hmm. early 50s. And the fact of the matter is the king, the king of England said, all right, you know what, dude? I've had enough. I've had enough of this Jacobite rebellion. Like I need an adult at the table. To go take care of this. Yeah, yeah. So he took Cumberland away from all the battles and said, go take care of this. And the guy did. He took care of it. And, and, and like that's one of the things that I was, as I was reading it, Graham and Sam were like, okay, why did, why did, the, why did the Scottish, why did the Jacobites stop? Why did they turn around? Well, because they were getting advice, turn around, and yada, yada. No, it was because the Duke of Cumberland was on the way, and they knew it. And they knew that they were going to get their asses handed to them. Because Watch that guy, sorry, people listen to this th- with kids. That guy is was legit, and he's only a twenty-six-year-old guy. I, I, I just it's phenomenal. People it's lived really- though in such different ways. You know what I mean? Like you got married younger, you learned how to fight from your youth. Like this, true. just what you were bred to do. Yep, true, very true. You think about pro athletes, for example, or Olympians. You know, peak performance ages. Sure, it's this time. We, we, we watch the Olympics. We're like, what? That person's twenty <laughs> one. I was drinking. Twi- I was drinking beers, playing Madden when I was twenty one. They're twenty eight, and they're about to be like retired. What do you mean? <laughs> you know. So that's how I like to think about it. Yeah. Is that when you really think about your peak performance years, and also the longevity of what people used to live before yeah. we had all this revolution in medicine. Yep. It makes sense. But on the flip side, you come now to the to the easygoing times of, of pandemic twenty twenty one where it's like what and did you're you You're living in your mother's basement. Seriously. Like what did you do when you were twenty five? Uh that was the year of the pandemic, so nothing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I was listening to something the other day, I can't remember what it was, and they were like, you know, it's my forty oh, it, it was uh it was a podcast that I was listening to. It was like yeah, it's like, yeah, it's my forty fourth birthday. Okay. He's like, but uh I'm not sure if I'm 44. Because hmm. like, I think I can. I think I can use the pandemic year as like, oh, I like a, a way to turn back the clock a year. Yeah. Like I'm not sure if I want to play that card right now because it's a totally lost year. Maybe when I'm like 49, I'm turning 50. Then I'll then I'll play the pandemic year. I dig it. I kind of like this idea. <laughs> I kind of like it. <laughs> Me too. So maybe when I turn 40, I'll say no. No, I'm, I'm playing the pandemic. I mean, I'm card. excited about 40. Mm, because then I get to have a card that has the real numbers on it, and I get to have balloons. 
you welcome to 40. Oh, oh, I got you. 40 and fun. Anyway, let's get back to Culloden. So how do we want to wrap up this chapter? Yeah, no, I, I think I'm good. I, I, I got everything that's, that I needed to say. And okay. uh, I think, I think I'm, I'm all set. You ready to close this bad boy out? Sure I am. <sighs> Man, it's just like an emotional weight talking about this stuff, you know? Honestly. It's, uh, it's a lot. All right, let's close it out. Thank you so much for taking the time to hang out and read this chapter or listen to our recap about it. We, of course, are going weekly into the episodes, the television episodes of Men in Kilts. Yep. So we're going to be talking about all of those until the season is done. Of course, we'll be going to be wrapping up this book with a few chapters left. And we just want to take this time to thank you. Thank you so much for listening to us, engaging with us, and, and just having a good time being nerds all together I mean, this whole pandemic I mean, we were just joking about it but you know this whole pandemic has been a, a big thing as you guys all know and you know connecting with people has been hard uh, especially if you know you've really stayed at home and you and you've quarantined or you've isolated yourselves I mean like the way that pretty much Mary and I have mm-hmm. done this entire run here for an entire year <laughs> wow dude imagine it a year ago if we knew what this was going to be like like we all knew it was going to be bad no but we thought it, at this point right now we were still like we oh, figured eh, maybe by the end of the summer it'll be all set no at this point people were still like oh things shut down two weeks ago we should be wrapping up soon yeah like whatever you know I knew better <laughs> you did man <laughs> you totally did I'll give you credit thank you that was one of the times where you your like worry brain you can call it anxiety. It's okay. Your, your anxiety was 100% right. Yeah. Normally, I'm the one that's like, yeah, you know what, Mary? Dude, relax. I doomsday prep. Let's chill. <laughs> we still got food. I was ready in January. So anyway, just... <laughs> it's true. So anyway, thank you so much <laughs> for uh, engaging with us and, and, and doing this. And uh, today, as we record this, we're going to be doing the Men and Kilts episode tonight, live so if you're at jointhenerdclan.com and you have early access to this podcast and you're listening to it already, uh, first of all, thank you. Uh, but uh, you'll be getting a chance to hang out with us tonight live on all the various social media platforms to talk about Men in Kilts, Scotland from air from sea, air, and land. I think that's what it was called. Something like sure, that. Sure, whatevs. All right. <laughs> but on that note, thank you all so very much. My name's Mary. My name is Blake. And you've been listening to OutlanderCast. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.